Yo, yo, Tom. Yo, yo, comic fam. Thanks so much for joining us today. It's the Bags and Boards show. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Comic Tom. I am the Golden Age Guru. I'm sitting here catching up on my Soprendente issue number 128. What? Your boy got it? Kind of. We're going to get into that. We talk a lot about comic books here on the Bags and Boards show. And we have a, dude, I would say this new year, I'm feeling it. Oh, I'm loving it. I'm loving the energy of comics right now. So many spoilers and videos coming out of, of movies coming up and just characters galore that I am so excited about. And I feel the energy of comic market. I do. I felt it was a lull last year as the year ends, as usual. But, man, it is just coming out like, I don't know, a volcano erupting because I'm, I am I have a convention here coming up this Sunday, okay, Cal sure. Comic Con. So I'm super excited for that, and I know a lot of the community is too. There's a convention in Berkeley that just passed, and so I'm ready, man. I am ready. I feel the community is ready. I feel the energy. You know who else is ready? Tell me. Freaking Todd McFarlane is ready. Todd McFarlane is ready, man. Dude, we're going to get into that too. He had his CGC signing this week, and it was amazing. We're going to touch on that. You brought some Golden Age goodies. You already are buying. A couple weeks into the new year, you got some Golden Age like history right here at the table for the community. Yeah, and I got some CDC slabs coming in here. Should be here in the next couple of days as well. So my first first graded books coming in for the year. So I'm excited about that. None of them McFarlands, but that's okay. Feels good though. It does feel good. Okay, man. let's jump into the show. Hit the subscribe button. We want you here for the ride. We make a lot of comic book themed content. And we're gonna like start this off with, I don't know, a couple stories. Some, something on the little bit more personal side. Something I think about a lot. Something I do for fun. I got a couple presses this last week. Yeah, I like that because I have been battling with one press. And presses. I want to make sure. Comic book presses. What is that for the new audience? There's a lot of new people. Some people may not know what comic book presses. Let's, let's back it up a little bit. Okay, okay. A comic book press is a device like you see for shirts. And instead of pressing... Let's say some type of graphic on a shirt, you're pressing a comic to where it's going to present better from flaws of like non-color breaking, maybe some waviness, things of that sort. Yeah, sometimes people have comic books they want to fix and they think, hmm, I could just get an iron, right? Just iron out that comic. I've seen people try to do that. I've seen people actually find some success doing it. I don't recommend it, but the premise is the same. The difference is instead of just an iron, well, you have a T-shirt press or something alike, which is just a hot iron, but it clamps it shut. And then, yeah, if you work at it, you become an artist of this particular type of trade. Yeah, you could increase the value of your books by fixing them, potentially. Yeah, like you said, it is an art, and you only get better with practice. You will have, I promise you, fails. Dude, that's what I want to talk about today. Yeah, of course. Those, those are the funnest conversation, the fails. Okay? Well, because, dude, I got these presses. I was waiting a couple of weeks, but they both came in. And it started this conversation, and it was one of those mo moments where it's like we're working on the podcast, but we're having a conversation that I think we need to have on the podcast because this is real life. I had a decision to make. Do I get one press or do I get three? You know, what kind of press do I get? And we just started chatting. So first off, pressing. It is an art form. It is something that I have had some just the, the, the gamut, the, the span of the different feelings that I've experienced when trying to repair a book, bring it from low grade to higher grade, get it that one little grade bump. It's all over the place. It's like the, I, dude, I would compare the feeling to like finding out some terrible news, like the lows of that to the uplifting feeling of finding a hundred dollars on the floor of like a park or something. I know, I know what you're saying because the highs and lows are there. Like you will press a book. You're like, okay, I've had enough experience to where I'll look at a book and be like, you know what? I can probably get it to this point. And then you go through the steps and you know, these steps. All right. And you try it out and then something happens. It's like, you know, the steps you've done them countless times. But still, it's so easy to make one small mistake that no matter how much time you practice, even the most professionals, oh, I mean, it happens. It's a rush. It's usually when you're rushing or you're not paying attention or you're just, just something you did different, okay? And I have done that where I've popped a staple on a book. And that could happen regardless because you don't know how strong sometimes paper can be at that staple. 
it could just happen. You're trying to press it. You're trying to fix the creases. You're trying to make it look more presentable. You go all the way out of your way. What are some of these steps that you take prior to actually closing it in that press? Yeah, just kinda, yeah it depends on the book and the year. But, you know, I, I will have between my press some other piece of paper. Sure. Before it meets, so it'll be the comic. It'll be a piece of paper of some kind, and then it'll be the press before I, I close it down. And so I've had times where I've overheated it in my past and learning. And when you lift it up, the color has transferred to the paper. So maybe you don't damage the comic. You just kind of almost get a uh, ghost image, if you will, on this paper. Yeah, you're but, removing a little color. Yeah, ink. but sometimes it'll grab your book and then it'll peel the color. And you're just like, you're kicking yourself because you get to this point where you're just like, Oh, man, I know I can make this book better. I can't stand where it's at right now. It's bugging me, all right? I need to make it better. I'll go make it better, all right? And then that place that you hated, you wish you could go back to now because you made it worse. And now you're like, I'll do anything just to get back to that area that I hated so much to even look at. And it's just a terrible feeling that, like, you know, these books have been around so long, but you're the schmuck who just ruined it. You know, either you lifted all the color off of it or you... You know, put in a, a hard line across the whole book, which you could fix. There's some things you can fix, but if you don't know what you're doing, you can sometimes make it even worse. Yeah, something that I find myself, it's, I don't know, it happens more times than I would like, where it's like last minute, oh my goodness, that could have been bad. I had one of those moments recently. I was over on Instagram. Sometimes I go live on Instagram and I just start cleaning books. I don't really do a whole lot of communicating with the community on there. Cause I, it's more like, Hey, you're a fly on the wall. I'm doing some stuff. It's my personal time. I like cleaning books and pressing them when I'm not working. I'm weird. I'm always doing comic stuff, but on Instagram at comic time 101, I'll go live so you can watch the process if you care to. And something that happens a lot is if you don't make sure that there's that, that covers clean and the pages inside are clean, whatever, pressing you do that closes all those pages together that you're trying to get that really flat surface well if there is anything there like some dirt a rock a little piece of gum just like grime something you didn't notice maybe a speck of who knows what right in the middle of the book yeah you press it through every single page and it's something that i swear if i have accidentally slash have actually caught that moment more than 30 times. Wait, wait. So you've actually pushed something that hard like through your book? Absolutely. So for me, and I, I'm going to say one of the biggest things you can do and best things you can do for your book before you press it is to make sure you flipped through it. Oh, that's, of course, every page. You got to yeah, go through every, every page. Every page, make sure there's nothing in there, no dog ears already on a book. Dog ears, explain that. Yeah, so just like a, a corner that's been bent over. So make sure those are straightened out. Yeah, someone was reading it. They bent it over maybe a yeah. little bit, and it could have been saved. You could have pressed it out. Whoops, you didn't check it, and now you just sealed that crease. Mm -hmm. or, yeah, and like you say, if there's something inside, you, you'll press it harder, and it could tear or it could just put indents. I, I haven't had anything pushed through a book. I'll, I'll get like – you'll get the most minute flake of something. And it looks so magnified when it comes out of the press, like this crater in your book. Now, you can fix those things, but again, it takes time and practice to learn that. We're not going to get into all those types of skills right now, but making sure your cover is completely spotless of anything is its important, man. It's really important because then you got – or if you don't do that, next thing you know, you got another 30 minutes of work on your hand. Have you ever had that moment where you're looking at the book after it's been a day? You let it cool. It's, it's fresh. You're like, oh my goodness, I did it. I got rid of that. I got rid of that. It's shiny. It's, oh my goodness. And then you look at the bottom or something and you're like, oh wait, what's this here? That wasn't there before. You caused a new problem, but you fix 99% of everything else. Yeah. And it's still the same process. You, you got to go, go through the whole thing again. Again anyway. <laughs> and then you hope that nothing else happens. And then you're like, then you go crazy in your mind. You're like, wait, was that there before? Comic fam, do you know what we're talking about? Please let us know in the comment section below. We got to hear from you. But I want to chat about some failures. I've had some, all right? I'll, I'll share one. It was an eBay sale that I made, and I listed it as VF Near Mint, and I, I was going through it, and I realized that the back page, it had a little bit of something wrong. I can't even remember. It wasn't a crease or anything, and it was a modern book. It's actually, it was Witchblade number one, and it was signed, which is kind of a bummer too. And because, you know, you can't, they're not as easy to come by signed. 
and getting them signed again isn't something we can do. So I was trying to press it prior to it going out thinking, oh, I can fix it. I maybe overgraded this by a point, but I'll just put it on the press. I did it too hot, as you said. What's your experience with heating up maybe too high of heat a modern comic book? Ugh. You basically your pages are all going to congeal together, especially when there's a lot of ink on those pages. Yep, um, and that's exactly what happened. I turned that comic book into cardboard. It was literally like just a, a hard sheet. You can hold it up stiff, and I every page was just agony, just just tearing, tearing every page, just sticking together. Because modern books, you can't press the same way as you press older books. The paper is different, and that's actually kind of part of this art is examples after examples that you have trial and error failures successes you learn from them and then over time years go by and you're like hey i'm kind of good at this now you know you have a lot less of those but they still happen what about you i know you have to have at least one yeah i mean i know i have a few but um i'll tell you a bad one one. i want to because most recent so i have a press i have an m210 and this is a good point uh, because i mentioned at the very start of this i bought more than one this would be a good opportunity to explain why I would buy more than one instead of one big one. Because yes. you can get a big press that you can do more than one comic on, which is what you have, right? Yeah, so this is the first press I ever had, okay? okay. Or actually, second press. My first press, I think I sold to Russ. My second press I got was an M210, which is a big press. You could press four books at one time, which sounds great. You're going to speed through it. But when you get better, you realize that it's not so much the quantity of books. It's more individual because they're going to need something different different temperatures, different pressing times, cooling times. So I'm more looking for now getting rid of that large press and working on maybe four smaller presses because I can have different heat times, cool down times, different pressing styles to that book for different defects. But at the time you thought, hey, one big iron, I can do more than one at once. Yeah, it makes sense, right? You know, you clamp it down once and you take care of all four. Yeah. But, but as you said, every book's different. You probably find yourself using it more sparingly than four at a time. Yeah, now it's, you know, that was back in my early mentality where it's like, I'm just going to panini this thing, you know? And it's just like, all right, there we go. Just smush it. Smush it to death. Okay, so tell me about a time where you smushed something to death. Uh, so I smushed, okay. So I had five Spidey 300s once, okay? I bought them all at a convention. Oh, gosh. I do not like where this yeah. story just turned. So I was like, great. I'm pressing it. I didn't make them be my first press. They're not, you know, like sometimes when you make pancakes, that first pancake's crap. It's a dud. All right, okay. you're still figuring out the batter. You're putting like it's crap. So I lit, I did a few books first to okay. get out the way. So I got my temperature right. Everything's pressing okay. Let me put in four at a time. I do not like where this story is gone, <laughs> dude. I was not expecting you to say, oh, all right, so I got five Spider-Man 300s after I bought this press that heats up four comics at a time. Okay, okay. So you practiced a couple. How did the practice ones go? The practice ones went fine. But so I, was, I put four at a time because they, only, they all had the same issues. Everything was fine. They didn't have any major things. I just wanted to... Give them a little heat. Give them a little. You're you're feeling good. Yeah, I'm feeling good. good. I just did it. We got I left it in there. Boom. And they're newer books. I don't usually deal with that newer book. Okay. And it's not like I'm talking modern, but it's new enough for me. I'm usually Silver Age, Bronze Age, sure. Golden Age type of stuff. And I let it sit for too long. Okay. And I thought, oh, it's just going to be a long press. I'll turn it on, heat it, and cool it. And I think it was like half a day. I just came back to it. Did you forget? I just went and did my own thing. I shut it off. I turned it on and shut it off and let it just cool down. Oh, okay. Yeah. Naturally yeah. cool down. I did that fine. too. Let it, right. let it cool down on the iron because you have to or else the pages will ripple. But apparently the way I pressed it, I rubbed every back staple on the back cover because it's black. It pressed too hard, I believe is what it was, or it rubbed somehow. And everyone had the exact same defect on the back staple of the cover. So all four copies eight staples each had this like missing color right where the staple was in the back and i was just like yeah, like a removed cover yeah color. removed the color from the pressure of being pushed into whatever was being pushed into at the time yeah it sounds like too hot for too long yeah and, and too much pressure and all four all four all, all four. four just immediately downgraded yep. and i dropped the price at all <laughs> i was like oh man okay so what is that feeling like let's try to explain what that feeling was like you know you're you're Thinking it's just the job is being handled. You probably spent a good amount of time. You know, you have the the start where you're getting stuff on the press. You're practicing. You're getting one after another. That's time. 
20 minutes goes by. Another 20 minutes goes by. Now you're ready for Spidey 300. You do all that work. You check all the pages. You let it sit there half the day, and you find out that, no, you actually shouldn't have done absolutely anything. Yeah, that's pretty much what exactly. That's, much, that's, that's the feeling <laughs> yeah, right there. You pretty much sums it up pretty quickly. Um, so, yeah, just that's why individual is probably better because you can focus more. You can just not be. I was kind of reckless, I believe, but also naive because I didn't press books at that time frame that often. So, again, that is a quick learning experience because that's a big part of it. I mean, it's you learn from your mistakes. There's a reason people say that, and that's exactly what this situation was. And I will never forget that, and I will uh, <laughs> probably, hopefully, never do that again. There you go, Comic Fam. Do you have any pressing experience, you know, or any stories that you'd like to share? Let us know in the comment section below. I'm excited to have a press again. It's been a few months. I, I was using Russ's press because he wasn't using it at the shop for a really long time. But uh, he needed it back. So I picked up a few and I'm back at it. And I've had a lot of success. I'm pretty stoked about it. And we are actually going to be sending out some books that I recently pressed in the mystery mail call. I just repressed my Fantastic 449. You've seen that book. Mm -hmm. It's a great comic book. I actually picked it up at Cal Comic Con last year. Yep. And you're going to be heading there pretty soon. I also pressed Silver Surfer issue three that I picked up from New York. And that book's also going out in the mystery mail call in February. What did you think about the Wolverine Lee In Hyuk Comic Tom 101 exclusive? That was a pretty cool one. I, I, I was glad to hear that we chose Wolverine to go with. And when I saw that cover, I mean, I love the perspective. I love old man Wolverine and Wolverine. And it's just, uh, it's dope, man. It's a great action shot. I love it in the snow. It's just a good, powerful scene. I, I dig it, man. I'm really excited for this variant because last year, last month, Thor was a lot to live up to because the book is so awesome. But to have an eight dollar MSRP on a on a book, what's what? How many pages is that? It's like over fifty pages. I mean, it's a giant. It's a giant book that every member is going to be getting a copy of. And yeah, if you sign up, you're going to get your copy of Wolverine number one. But it's going to be an exclusive, and it's going to be low print. So while supplies last, we sold out early last month. But current open enrollment is now. Link in the description to join. You help support the show but we send you comic books every single month. Let's chat about this update to Key Collector that I was not expecting to be so damn important, but this year I think it's just sparked a lot of good collecting habits. Yeah, we're going to touch on our sponsor, Key Collector, who's got this new function, this new awesome button on his app. So it is called the Randomizer, and this is free to everybody, just so you know. And it's that tool, and it's a fun tool, and I'll explain to you why. And it's super important. When you first collect comics, or just collecting in general, the keys to getting better is knowledge, exposure, and experience. This app will test your knowledge and give you knowledge for free. So what happens is when you click on this button, it'll pop up 10 comic books for you. Okay, And those 10 comics will each have the reason of what is so key about it and also give you current market value in a very easy to read way. So I might know the title, but it's when you see that cover that you truly can make that match in your head. Oh, maybe I've seen that in my collection. I better go dig it out. So I'll give you an example here. I just pushed my button here and I had 10 comics come up and I'll just pick up random one here. Marvel Age number 98. First preview and cover appearance of the Toxic Avenger in comics. Okay, low grade a dollar, but High grade eight bucks. That's a dollar bin book that you could find, and eight dollars is a respectable high. It's a ten dollar book all day online. Right, and I would never have known. First appearance, Toxic Avenger. That's fantastic. I just did it here, and this was uh, number ten on my list of ten. And it's a good reminder because if you were to ask me off the cuff, I probably wouldn't have remembered this. But I know this issue, and I know the cover. Spider Man Unlimited number eight, first published work in the comic book industry by Joseph Hillstrom. King, a.k.a. Joe Hill. This is a great example of a comic book that's on this randomizer that would inform a lot of people about a book that, yeah, has a low of $3 and a high of $30. Dollar bin book all day long. And what's fun is that there's kind of like a low-key challenge that has just started on Instagram. The IG comic family has taken on where they use the randomizer and look for something in their collection that they didn't know 
had some type of key significance, but they were shown by the app. Shout out to Jim Comics. He's got a great YouTube channel. And the first time he used it, he's highlighting one of his favorite comic book runs that he happens to have a cover of, Immortal Hulk issue number nine. First appearance of the third Red Hulk, as well as the circulation count of 42000 and $20 high sales for the book. And it's a comic book that a lot of people picked up. So how much like valuable information was just provided by just one click of a button? Shout out to John's Comics with Kids who dug out a Civil War issue number seven. It was one of his random pulls. I like this and I want to challenge the community to tag us on Instagram. Use this random category button. See if you can find something in your collection that you didn't know you had and share it with us on Instagram at ComicTom 101. And where can they find you, the guru? You can find me at the Golden Age Guru on Instagram. And another thing I want to mention is that this page refreshes every 60 seconds. Good point. So you have another 10. So it's almost like enough time to absorb it, take a look at it, and then get another. And you could probably just sit here all day, just kind of just checking stuff out. If you're just sitting at a bus, you're just hanging out, whatever, and you just want to look at books. I'm doing that, dude. Randomly. I'm literally doing that. I'm like chilling. I'm bored. Click it. Learning about comics. Yeah, it's you know I just did it again and like look all new ultimates number eleven first cover appearance of the ultimate Taskmaster. I mean, how hot is Taskmaster right now? I don't know. That's a great comic book, and that was one that was spiking at some point of the year. We do have the movie with more reveals. We kind of know where it's going, but again, for a Taskmaster fan, this is like right now great information that you could just be learning on the fly. Yeah, super digging the randomizer section. Obviously, as you can tell. But I do want to get into this box of comics. I literally just went to the post office today. Um, do I it. Five packages. Grab them. Grab them. I'm, I'm assuming gonna... you brought some gold. I did. I'll show you just a couple here, but this one's a cool one. One of my favorites of this of this delivery. All right. The guru's sharing some of his first purchases of the new year in 2020. I'm excited to see what you got. Hit that like button, comic fan. Maybe I'll get him to bring some more Golden Age goodies here. Let me take a look at what you got. Samson number six graded at 7.0 Fox feature syndicate. Yes. From 1940 freaking one. Damn. That's old Samson on the cover. Is that related? I actually not familiar with this. Is this related to the biblical Samson? Yeah, it is. That's actually a uh, relative of Samson. Also named Samson. Same abilities. He's got super strength. Um, his weaknesses. If you cut his hair, he loses his abilities and power. Makes sense. But due to accelerated hair growth, he gets his powers back. Accelerated hair growth. <laughs> Part of his superpower is he can grow his hair fast. Absolutely. How does he do that? I have to look I into this. Know. Maybe he just does he like push hard on his head. Does he have a good shampoo, <laughs> conditioner? <laughs> yeah, he's like got Rogaine always on him. Always. <laughs> to rub his head. It's like, <laughs> just like, hold on. I got to grow my hair faster. No, but this is cool. This is a, a cover with Samson who's fighting these demons who are like a cross between a humanoid and an octopus. Yeah, they're interesting. Uh, I'll tell you that much. And obviously they're, well, I can't say obviously, but if you look in the background, you got two ah. uh, Nazi tanks. What is going on here? It's so, like fantasy. And then they're like, we got to make sure there's a swastika on this cover. Yeah, pretty pretty much. This has <laughs> right? got to be somehow war related. And that is actually the highest graded copy. So pretty excited to get that. The highest? Yeah. 7.0 is the highest. Yeah, there's only seven graded copies, and that is the highest at 7.0. Oh, very cool, dude. And you may get lucky. Like I'm kind of looks a little dirty back here. But this is cool book, man. You may get lucky with a grade bump. The highest graded copy. Amazing. And you mentioned in your Overstreet analysis of 2019 that you thought Fox Feature Syndicate was a good bet. Clearly. You're putting your money where your mouth is. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I, I, I truly think that Fox is going to have um, a strong year. It was already been gaining interest, and uh, they have a lot of great titles so and genres that they all hit on. So check them out. And Victor Fox, the owner, you got to Google him, man. He's an interesting character. I'll have to get into that another time. What else did you bring us? All right, I'm going to show you one other book. Okay. okay? And it's going to help explain um, maybe some things you've seen on other labels. Okay. I'm excited to see. I haven't seen this comic, fam. This is new to me. All right, what do we got? We got us some war book. Ooh. All right, comic fam. I'm holding a Combat Casey issue number eight. This is Atlas Comics from spring 1953. Oh, gee. And I think I see why you brought this and why, probably why you got it. But first off, we got this macho character who's breaking Batman's back pretty much on the cover. 
Yeah, you kind of got this Razor Ramon looking guy with this machismo and this hairy chest, and he's pulling like the razor's edge. And it's a very powerful image. It's it's obviously a war book. Yeah, he's it, like defeating the enemy here. The infantry's red-bearded riot. A bunch of individuals who's attacking him, and he's just taking them out one by one. It's a striking image on that book, and that's one of the reasons I really wanted to get a copy like this. It's also the highest graded at 6.5, and it's white pages. It's another highest graded? Yeah, it's another highest graded. Hey, congrats. Thank you. Uh, but the other thing is it was used in the Parade of Pleasure. Oh, Parade of Pleasure. Dude, I don't think we've ever talked about the Parade of Pleasure on camera. No, we've talked about Seduction of the Innocent that was re- written by Frederick Wortham. And if you guys aren't familiar, it's a book that came out in, I believe, 1954, around the mid-50s there. And it caused a big roar upon the comic community and, or actually just, I'm sorry, the nation to where comics were pretty much, I don't know, perverting children's minds. Yeah, that's the claim. And it was, it's one, it's the one book that's used as like the thing that is pointed to that near destroyed the industry. There's only a couple other books that came out at that time that had similar impact. And we're talking about pop. This other book that actually went overseas had similar impact. And that's what you'll see when you see the letters P.O.P. And you'll see that in the price guide or you'll just see it used around occasionally. It stands for the name of this other book, okay? Parade of Pleasure. And Seduction Innocent spoke about comics perverting the, the, the culture. This speaks about more than just comics. It just speaks about more pop culture of the 50s. So the magazines, the music, TV, comics... And it really just goes into depth of how it's just changing our thoughts. And like you mentioned, it was published also overseas in the UK and in the US. We're talking about the British-born New Yorker, Joffrey Wagner. He created this book and was really just venting out all of his concerns about American pop culture, you know, talking really poorly about art, magazines, detective books, calling them smut. Overall, indicating that this was going to be the downfall of culture in general and the communities that he cared about. He compared comic books to marijuana for nurseries. That's how he viewed comics, and that's how he was like carrying this narrative that Frederick Wortham had in the States across the seas. I need to find this Parade of Pleasure book because I have to go to page 94 because that's what the internet told me that I will find the information of why Combat Casey Number 8 is in there. And one of these days I'll find this book. It's not going to be easy. They're really hard to find, and they're, they're quite pricey. Dude, I looked up prices. It's like over $800 for a U.S. version. Yeah, they're expensive. And like I mentioned, there's also a U.K. version, and it seems maybe a little less expensive. I'm not sure. It's going to be interesting as I really hit the ground and try to find one. But when I do, I'll know where to look for Combat Casey, page 94. But I don't know. I hope I just find one soon. Like, I don't know if I'm ready to pony up a hundred bucks for just a historical piece of comic like history, especially when it's been kind of negative. I know these are both very negative books that are collectible. I mean, both Frederick Wortham's hit book and this UK analysis of Americana are both coveted collector's items by comic book collectors. Fine. You talked me into it. I'm buying one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. I'm also excited to see what other types of books that we're able to find maybe on the hunt or share with the community. Let us know in the comment section below if you own any pieces of history that made it into one of these works of literature that have just become such an integral part of the comic book history. I'm going to move on to another pleasure, and that is viewer comments. Your comments. Thanks for leaving them. We do appreciate it. This is from SDA. He says that he has an X Factor 5 double cover. Ooh, very cool. We got some Apocalypse cameo goodness, and this must be in reference to the conversation we had a couple weeks ago about error print comics. You had mentioned that you're not a big fan of error prints. However, you like a good double cover. I love a good double cover. I love a good triple cover. That type of stuff I love. Okay, so I wanted to take this time to mention a video that my homie Steven from Gem Mint Collectibles has on his channel. I'm going to put the link in the description below. But he talks about this story about a friend of his who uncovered and purchased a 6 
Toplet cover. Yeah, we're talking about an ASM 361, the first appearance of Carnage. I'm not going to spoil the story. I'll let Steven explain it to you, but I will let you know two interesting things. First thing is, what do they do about multiple covers when they grade them? They grade each cover first off. That's right. And then they will put that on the label and let you know. And then the grade, the official grade, will be the highest grade of all the covers. What's really cool about this book, because it had six different covers, the highest one was a 9.9. So we have a 361, 9.9 with six covers. What do you think this book sold for? Jeez. Just gut response. When was this? Last couple years? Last year. If I just guess last year, I'd say 6K-ish. Okay. Maybe a little more. I'm going to tell you that that's low. I will not reveal how much the book actually sold for. I'll let Steven do that. But it is crazy to see this comic book. Let's take a look at this other comment we have from Selby George. I have a bound X-Men library I've been working in for years just sitting in his, in his library. Very cool. So this gentleman actually takes his newer comics and has them bound. He actually does it. Yeah. he And I looked into this, actually. So when I first got those bound volumes, bound volumes were actually getting kind of hot. And I was noticing that comic runs put in a bound volume fetched quite a bit more than is the whole set together. So I literally searched the country making phone calls and I found a place in Texas that was going to do it for like 35 bucks or something like that. I mean, oh, the prices ranged. Yeah. At the time, it was like 25 to 45 bucks I could find. And that was maybe 10 years ago, give or take. Oh, wow. Okay. So I don't know if it's less or more now. I have no idea. But you can really customize your book. You know, I mean, you could go have any type of design spine you want. This gentleman has it in yellow with uh, certain colored lettering, and he has the artist on top and the title of the book. Hey, it went all out, customized it. Yeah, and so he has a library of just books that he can just flip through at any given time. There was actually a handful of people in the comment section who were surprised to learn about Bound Comics. So, you know, I'm pumped to see possibly a new interest forming. Maybe some of these Bound Comics that weren't getting love for a long time, maybe they're going to start coming up on collector's radar because people appreciate them. Super unique. It is unique, and I just, you know, I had that internal battle. Of yeah. having books cut. Yeah. So I didn't do it. I mean, I'm not judging anybody. As to each zone, it's your book. You do whatever you want with right. it. If I find them, I'll keep them. But I just can't. I don't know if I can do it myself, man. Yeah, I, wouldn't, I don't think I can do it myself. Maybe if it was my own comic that I produced and it wasn't like scarce and didn't have a whole lot of value. I can see myself being like, you know what? I'll grab a, a Hellboy run that's modern that there's plenty of copies of and then make my own Hellboy Omni. That's kind of fun. How cool would that be, right? I think that could be dope with some like nice Mignola, whatever I want to put on the front because, you know, they'll make it. I've seen them with like some nice graphics or emblems they've had too. So right. I mean, you, can, you can get really customizable with it. Very cool. All right. Let's take a look at what Sindane at TSP said. He said, when I was a kid, I was hanging out at my local comic shop and another customer came in all sorts of angry because his Robin 3, Cry of the Huntress number 1, had all blank pages. I thought it was the coolest thing, and I gave him what he paid for the book. I had it graded at a 7.5 back early in 2000. Not a crazy grade, but it had a crazy manufacturing error. Love these types of comments. I don't think I've ever seen a blank book. I haven't seen a blank book, and I got to give you kudos, Sundane. You actually saw something that somebody was not happy with, okay? And you brightened his day by giving him back the cover price for this comic. And you just gained something special. I mean, that's just being smart. Yeah. So kudos to you and the hustle. I got to tell you, man, great move. Oh, man, I can't imagine, you know, the, the comic shop stories that are out there of just customers who are frustrated about product that is just, yay, they shipped them from Diamond. This is what I got. You know, seeing an example, especially one that was over a decade old of someone who's getting angry about a manufacturer error, where now people are like, oh, I hope it's the error. Yes, it's an error. I'm going to put it on eBay right away. Like there's a market for this kind of stuff. People even claim like maybe the manufacturers are doing this on purpose because it does cause buzz. You know, I like seeing these kind of like little pieces of history and collectors taste and how it's changed over the years. 
Thanks for leaving the comment. So the next thing I want to jump into, and we mentioned my Spider-Man 300 mess up gaff with pressing, and that's going to tie us into Todd McFarlane right now. Okay, and this is kind of an update on Tom McFarlane because he did a signing at CGC, and we talked about this. But there's been a little bit of delay. He 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 was sick for about a month, right? But boy, he's back and he hit the ground running. That's right. He started signing on Tuesday, flew in, and I'll tell you, I expected there to be a lot of people sending stuff in, and there was. You actually can see some shots of the boxes behind him as he's doing these signings, and those things are like as tall as he is. But something I didn't expect to happen was just the amazing job that CGC did, as well as like collaborating with Todd to entertain the community. This is exactly how artists and writers should be behaving in the comic book market in 2020. The Todd father's doing it. And if you're someone who's trying to grow a following, you're trying to grow your comic book line, and you're trying to figure out how to market your stuff, McFarlane's literally showing you how to do it yeah that's exactly correct if you are an artist or some type of creator at all and you're seeing a convention time after time okay and have nobody coming to your table you're just shocked and you're just like your work speaks for yourself it doesn't work that way okay you need to build that community they need to know who you are what you look like okay so they can recognize you and you need to build this uh, atmosphere where people can approach you and want to come see you because they know you on a different level other than like a piece of art that they saw on there. It's not a gimme. Just because you drew something, wrote something, don't expect there to be a line for you. And we're talking about Todd McFarlane. This dude is probably one of the most unrelatable content creators in the game. He is at the very top. He is one of the biggest comic book people ever. The Stanley of our time, possibly. And I feel like I could relate more to him watching the CGC story than probably any other content creator that Marvel or DC currently have who are doing anything on the internet right now. And, and not to say that everyone's going to have that comfortable to be that comfortable to talk into a camera. And that might not be the case. I get it. But you have to figure something out. Why don't we talk about what he did do? Because what he did was simple. I just want to talk about a car wreck of a person sometimes who overdoes it is Rob Liefeld. Okay, because he's too much out there and too so that's an example of somebody who's out there, but out there in the wrong way. Yeah. Then you have Todd out there and he's out there in the positive way. He talks to you. Your book comes up, he mentions your name. Yeah, he's actually doing signings and he says, Hey, thank you, so and so, for sending this in. He's calling customers. And there's a big stack with 30 books from a guy named Robert Mitchell from Blue Springs, Missouri. And I thought I'd give you a call and just say thanks for sending him that many books. You're going to put my kids through college. You keep this up. And he actually gets them on the phone and CGC is doing it on their story. It's a fantastic way. It is because I'm not even having my comic signed and I'm enjoying watching other people's comics get signed. Dude, I hope that he does this again so I can try. I want to send something in now just for the potential opportunity that there may be some type of connection that I'll be able to make through the social media work that he's doing. He goes to the CGC headquarters and he's posting on their story in the morning that he's beating the graders and the people he's working with there. And he's like, I'm here. I've been doing this since Tuesday. Where is everybody else? Like he's, he's having fun. Day three in the morning. None of the CGC people are here. Just me and a couple of loaners right there. So I've got to sign books and I've got no help today. So we're putting up some signs on all the people's doors. Why is Todd McFarland here before the CGC people? And he's just posting stories and he's also interacting with the community. And what's fantastic you mentioned that it hasn't been easy because he's been sick. So there's been a bit of a delay. Well, as soon as he's signing, CGC gets those books, they put the slab on, and they get them mailed. There are people getting their comics now, and he's still doing the signing. He's been doing it since Tuesday. It's the weekend when we're recording this, and he's still there. And because people are receiving him, he's actually interacting with the posts now. So when people get their slab, he is promoting them as well as interacting and saying hi and thanking them. 
Jake sent us his, who we got today, and Jake, you crushed it, dude. You sent in five books, and four of them got 9.8, and unfortunately, one of them is less than that. The Incredible Hulk, my first issue on The Incredible Hulk, you only got a 9.4, too bad, but your other four books, you got 9.8, so all you guys, cool, because I, like I said, I am seeing some of the best books of my life coming across me right now. So I'm hoping that a lot of you guys are satisfied, not only with the customer service, but with the signature and with the, the grades you're getting. Why aren't other creators doing this every single freaking day? So creators, if you have any want to grow in the community or feel that you can talk to some the people who want to hear from you, then please do it. And I want to mention one other thing. Tom McFarland did give us some spec advice. Oh, you know what? I don't think it. I've ever heard... McFarlane gives straight up advice to the comic book collectors community. A lot of these guys, they kind of like to ignore it. You know, they know it's there. They know we're important, but you know, there's so much more focus on those like monthly titles and those customers and those fans. Well, Todd took the mic and he gave strict collecting advice, didn't he? Spawn number one, grade it. Don't. Because we made like millions and I think I've signed millions i own i believe after this signing there will only be four spawns not signed more rare unsigned than signed so think about it play your biggest odds because it may just be better that you have the lone unsigned spawn comic book he's just joking but this is what i'm talking about there are people in the community that make comics that are probably you know like what do i make what do i do on social media it's like you literally can do anything. Like Todd is joking about a book he made in the 90s. That's all it took. And you know, he just got a lot of people excited about Spawn and about his, collecting his books. He also went through a bunch of key books talking about Spidey 300. You're hearing him talking about Scorpio Rose. You're hearing him talk about various variant issues. It's a lot of fun. Uh, this is a book for Mario Carandi. Uh, looks like he lives in Estereo, Florida. Here's why this is a cool book. This is the only book, Mario, that I ever did a cover for that I forgot to sign it. So if you actually took this book out of here, I usually have my scroll down there like I do with all my other books. For some reason, I don't know what was happening that day, I never signed this cover. It's the only one. So now you actually finally have my name on the only cover that doesn't have my name. Favorite thing though that he did, aside from that spawn tidbit of information, was start ragging on someone who sent in one of those window boxes. Can you explain that? Of course, so let me break it down. When you're gonna have a book sign, um, you get to judge the placement of that signature. Well, you can help encourage the placement. You will uh, put a bag and a board together, you'll cut out uh, where you want this signature, and you tape it off with blue tape, the bag. The bag. And you put the comic back in. So now the comic is in. There's a hole where you cut out. And there's tape around that. So now it's very, very obvious. Sign in the blue box. And Todd, he thought of something really funny to do. Here, uh, Daniel Urban from uh, Roswell, Illinois. Uh, Daniel, I don't know. Uh, you spent a lot of money here. So this one says sign here. So I did it. I, I did exactly what you wanted. This one says, sigh here. So, okay, 89 bucks. Here we go. Ready? <sighs> I, now, <laughs> if it was me, Daniel, I would have had it signed. I would have had them both signed. I don't know why you want one signed and one side. Having fun while signing. Now, I know he's making a lot of money, guys. We get it. Yep. We freaking get it. But at least he's doing it with a smile making it entertaining for us because he obviously could just do this in the dark faster and not having to reach out to people and still just get the same amount of money. Todd, you're killing it. Keep up the good work in Comic Fam. We need to make sure that the CGC and that McFarlane knows that this kind of stuff is stuff we want to see in the community. It's only going to cause it to happen more. All right, 2020, you started out your year buying some dope comic books. I bought myself an El Sorprendente issue number 128, Hombre Anania, but it's not real. This is a German reprint, and it's actually a bit bigger, but what's cool about this German reprint is that it's actually photocopied from an original. 
it's a hyper scarce book. And those of you who have been following the channel for a while know that this is one of the grails that I've been after for quite a long time. First things first, this is an original photocopy though. So like every page is what you would find in the Mexican edition, even to the point where on the inside, the interiors, you actually can see the pages are not in near mint that it was photocopied from. So this is like at home status kind of thing that happened in Germany. So we have the comic, the famous key event where Gwen Stacy was what kept alive and that she marries Peter Parker. This book has seen such crazy gains exceeding over $2,000 for a raw high grade copy because it's thought of in the community as an alternative version of Gwen Stacy and Peter Parker where they get married and they have a life together. Cause in Mexico, she was so popular that the writers and artists who got permission to do out of continuity, Spider-Man thought that it would be better to keep their story going, keep her alive. There's a lot of rumors, a lot of, you know, Folklore behind this because it happened so long ago, but I got my hands on this reprint because I won't have an original for quite some time. What do you think is on the back of that comic? Don't look because on the back of that comic is an original photocopy that I didn't even know was on the back of this comic book, the original. Am I even going to be able to guess it? Give me a guess. Give me. <laughs> there, I'll give you a hint. It has nothing to do with comic books. Uh, God. And um, it is and it is a Mexican product product yes oh my god and, and you can read it i'll give you that hint too <laughs> i know this is i know what, what, what is that gonna do? just give me a guess it's the next issue no no it's not that it's like actually a good a good guess no you're actually pretty close it is actually you can flip it it's the diary of anne frank it's an eight dollar msrp that you can get <laughs> absolutely not close <laughs> no you aren't close there at all but no what's cool about this reprint first off is that one we have pictures now that i can share the community that are a lot better than what's online which is why i wanted to bring this up today so the first thing that i wanted to point out here what what do you see on the very very first page very first page is gwen stacy in a wedding dress with peter parker and i gotta tell you i'm flipping through this book this artwork's actually pretty darn cool. Dude, Jose was awesome. You got to check out this guy's artwork. He did a bunch of Spider-Man issues, 46 to be exact. And he had a style, dude. He had a unique style and he drew women very well. So, okay. So this reproduction is actually really nice. Looking at these pages, I mean, being a photocopy, it's like a really high-end photocopy. The Photoshop work with the bubbles is a little is a little random. I, yeah, it feels like they literally printed them out, like the bubbles, and then just like pasted them Michael Scott Paper Company style and then photocopied that and then just like put that into print. <laughs> okay, so we've talked about this book a lot. Yeah, we have. But I've never seen the inside. Yeah, you see here, you have the wedding issue. The, the, the scene that makes this also collectible. But you're going to find out by the end of this story that this wedding doesn't actually take place. This right here is just a one pager. And then the very next page says, how did we get to this point? You go on to read this story and you find out that Peter Parker gets knocked out during a fight with Green Goblin. And while he is unconscious, he is like dreaming of this wedding sequence and questioning his ability to be a good partner to Gwen Stacy all the while. Because even in his dreams, he knows that being Spider-Man and Peter Parker is just a life that just won't mix. And he will put everyone in danger. So by the end of the story, you find out that, no, he doesn't get married to Gwen. It's just, it, it ha this whole thing, this daydream, it happens in the span of a couple seconds. I also wanted to show you a couple interesting pictures that you, I bet you're going to recognize. You've never seen this book before, correct? No, no. So I'm glad you've at least described the story because I have no idea what it's about. Okay, so right there, look at this panel. Um, it has all the heroes in it. Do you recognize this picture? Take a quick second to look at it because yeah, I know yeah. you've seen this before. Yeah, yeah. It's, a it's a famous Kirby right? image. Because the desk. The desk is the giveaway. Comic fam, you've seen this image. It's the famous Kirby drawing of all of his creations. This was a cover swipe. Jose was doing the work so quick that he had to cover swipe to be able to meet the deadlines that he was going to make. Now, keep swiping. Keep keeps turning the page. Keep on going with that. Right there. Bottom panel all the way to the right. Do you recognize that one? Absolutely. Heck yeah. It's Ramita Goodness right there. It's ASM 39. That's right. So 
two different cover swipes that I know of in this comic book, and they're done very subtly panel status. So this is just a great piece of Mexican history, but really Spider-Man history as well. I'm excited to keep collecting these. I'm looking for all of them. And you know I'm going to be bringing them to the table to discuss more in length in the future. But because we had some great pictures, I have this interesting reprint from Germany. I thought, hey, let's start the new year off right. And I'm getting this a little bit closer to my grail, you know, slowly but surely. Always, always, I am getting a little bit more intrigued with this foreign market. I got to tell you, man. So I think this is a big step, dude. You got this photocopy... I think you're going to have it for a little bit. And you're going to want the original. Dude, I'm going for it. I missed out on a $200 sale, but the comic was in three pieces. Three pieces? Yeah. Front, back, detached, and it still sold for over 200 bucks. Interesting. Yeah. I'm after it. I'm going to find a complete copy. But comic fam, before I do that, I absolutely need to do a giveaway because you know what? Gwen Stacy, she didn't end up marrying Peter Parker, but you know who... Peter Parker ended up marrying? I do. Who? Mary Jean Watson. So we're going to be doing a giveaway here. Um, we have ASM Annual 21, the classic marriage key, going out to a lucky member of the community. And you know what? I just wanted to throw this in there as well. We're going to send this alongside of it. It's an issue of trees, number one. I'm just, I'm reading this run and I really enjoy it. I just want to send this out and hopefully send some comic karma out. It's from the PC. Hope you enjoy. Just a cool new story. Maybe you want to add it to your pull list. I did. And I also want to give a big thank you to our winner from last podcast, God's Perfect Idiot. I, I didn't pick it. That's just what the randomizer told me who won. But thank you so much for commenting. We're going to be sending you this copy of Batman Who Laughs, courtesy of our friends over at Torpedo Comics. Thank you so much for commenting down below. We do appreciate you. The show won't end yet. But remember, sign up for the mystery mail call. Open enrollment just started, and it ends February 15th. Guys, this is a killer variant. $8 MSRP. You already have an instant $8 value to this already hot book for the mystery mail call so don't forget links in the bio down below check it out make sure to get your box that's right reserve it and always make sure to have key collector downloaded and use the code tom 101 to unlock a free week subscription of the premier comic book app that exists on the market it's going to enhance your collecting it's going to make you money you're going to find books that are worth something that you didn't realize had value i guarantee it Comic fam, we're going to keep this conversation going to the after show, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and iTunes. We're talking about plumbing problems. Yeah, that's what we're going to talk about. Come join us and find out what kind of issues we have. <laughs> Comic fam, we appreciate you. Thank you for joining us. And hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, do all that stuff. And then, as always, geek responsibly. Enough said. We love you. Okay, dude. Oh, my goodness. Plumbing problems? What's going on, Jeff? Okay, so you told me earlier this week that you were dealing with some crap. And I'm like, what do you mean you're dealing with some crap? And you're like, dude, I got to wait for the after show to tell you because it's just ridiculous. So what happened? And uh, did you actually mean actual crap or like was it was it problem problems? Like what's, what's going on? Yeah, let me get into it. So the weather here hasn't been that great. It's been really rainy. It snowed a little bit. Yeah, super wet. And then it just turned into freezing rain, which just turned into snow. And it's just been ugly. So I have a... Uh, three-horse trailer with the living quarters. So basically an RV vehicle. Sure. And um, it's new, and I've never winterized it, okay? So I need a winterizer, which basically means I need to protect the pipes from cracking. Sure. All right? And Makes so sense. that's really important. Otherwise, I have huge bills to fix whatever broke through the winter. Sure. Okay. So How do you winterize? I mean, you just I don't know yet. Oh, so you're okay. figuring <laughs> no, it out. I sent it to the dealership and have them winterize it, I guess. Oh, okay. okay, that was what I was going to do. Oh, you haven't done that yet. Okay. Okay, that's what I was going to do. So that was the plan. So we park it way back on the property. Okay. You, live, and, you have a lot of land. Yeah, I just have land. I'm out in the countryside area. And um, we parked it out there and uh, didn't realize how soft the ground got, gets over there. Anyways... We weren't. Uh, we didn't get to dump the uh, waste from the vehicle yet, so the vehicle for an RV has a gray pull tab and a black one. It's called gray water and black water. Black water is your poop and pee. 
Okay. Gray is like the water you use, your potable water that's used for showers, washing hands, whatever. So in theory, you're supposed to drain the black and then drain the gray. The gray flushes out the black. Okay, so you're going to do this on your property? So you're supposed to do it at dump sites, okay, along the way. I imagine that being where you would want to do this. But we had to get it before the weather changed and we were in a hurry and we were like, it was deep on the property. We're like, just dump it. Okay. Yeah, we. I mean, no, because we can't dump it anywhere else right now. Some people in the city maybe like, wait, what are you doing? But I, I, I grew up on 15 acres. I get it. Like, okay. Dude, dude, I grew. I I moved into a home where someone literally buried, and it's illegal to do this, but they buried their trash for like 15 years. So like forever. Whenever we would like randomly That's mow crazy. certain parts of the lawn, we would just like all of a sudden, what the heck is this? Oh, it's a broom. It's a broom from like the 80s, just sticking out of the ground, like a handle. Like, wait, what is this? And you dig and you pull the whole freaking broom, like all in the back pasture, just randomly. Like, I get it. Like people okay. in the country, you know, you do what you got to do. If you have the land, no one's going out there. So anyways, it makes sense. And so you're, you're trying to drain some stuff in your yes. land. And, you, and you it's went, pouring rain. But you went far away. Like you're yeah. not like doing this by your home or anything. No, no. I, I d- yeah. It was far away. It was probably like a hundred yards away or something. Okay. If not, not like a hundred yards, but like. That's actually kind of close. So, yeah, that was okay. <laughs> <laughs> hundred yards is 300 feet. I don't think, I don't know if it was that close, yeah. far. And um, anyway, so I could smell it from a distance. My wife did it, and I could smell it at the house. You had your wife do it? She, yeah, she did it. She okay, she's like, all into horses. So yeah, like, I was like, like, oh, yeah, like, just go do it, and then um, we'll haul it out of here. She's like, she didn't want to do it. But I was, like, <laughs> I was like, I told you multiple times to pull off and empty it. Like, so, Oh, my gosh. So, so anyway, yeah. So you're making your wife do it. Yeah. I love this. And the okay. weather gets horrible. It starts dumping rain. Oh, no. Dumping rain. Okay. And I'm doing my own thing that I need to do for, at, at the property of the house. And, and you're uh, starting to smell it? And then like <laughs> like 10 minutes later, like quaffs over. I was like, whoa, hon. Oh, it's so gross. I'm it's sorry, gross. Colin fam. That's terrible. And so I get all these like pine pellets I have, okay? And I just like start pine just- Pine pellets? Yeah, like, like for, for like, like, like horse, uh, uh, for horse stalls this, and like, stuff. This horse lingo. Yeah. This caballos lingo. <laughs> so I take it over there. And I just spread it all over around the area, okay? But it's been raining for a while. And um on the like on the, the saturated uh, area that's Yeah, bad? so it's raining and it's muddy and it's running and like what's running? Like just water's just running, okay? Down you know, through the grass and you know it's oh, just it's, heavy so it's moving. Is yeah, what you're so saying. it's moving. And it's just oh, just a ton of water. So my wife hooks up the truck, anyways, because we have to now take it to the dealership. Sure. So that we can have it winterized. All right. And I didn't want to deal with it because I've never done it yet, and I didn't have time to look for it, and it's supposed to snow that night. So I was like, we got to get the heck out of here. And so she hooks it up to the truck. The second she puts it down on the truck, it sinks the back tires in the oh, truck. Oh, no. So it, like, sinks into the mud, and she starts to try to drive off. There's no, She's not going anywhere. It just gets lower. She just added, like, 10, 12,000 pounds on the back of her bed, okay? <laughs> so she's not going anywhere. She's spinning. I had left, and she's, like, calling over me. I'm stuck. I was like, I go over there. I was like, okay. So I take, like, pieces of wood, right? And it's dumping rain still. It's, like, the worst time to have gone, okay, sure. all week. It's the worst time to have gone. And I put all this wood and try to put it under the tires so it can maybe grab sure. and it can get over. But it's so deep. The tires aren't going anywhere. How muddy are I'm, you getting? Yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting I'm, – I'm, like, my feet are sinking in mud, okay? Like, the tires are, like – I don't know, eight inches into mud. Okay. It's without it's getting sunk. too bad, like too descriptive. How much of that mud is like just actual mud and how much of it is like the stuff that you really No, no, it's just out? mud, but okay. the urine and the and all that like you feel that it's like soaked and traveled. Okay? It's like all this water is like raising the water table and it's just kind of flowing. Oh, no. And it's just like I just I just know it's there. You know, it's right downhill from it. I'm like, oh my God. I mean, this not nonsense. And I'm like, I'm putting wood in there and I take a hammer and I start banging it and it splattered on my face. <laughs> I was like, and I was like oh, so spitting gross. so upset at myself. Oh no. Like swearing out there, like so upset the situation. It's, I'm freezing cold. It's pouring rain. We need to get this thing out of here. Okay. It's not going anywhere. And I keep trying, and just it gets worse. More splatter. And it's to the point where you just don't even care anymore. You're so in it, you just don't care anymore. Past the point of no you're return. Past the point. You know you're done. You know you're throwing away whatever clothes you got. Right. This is done. It's done. Okay, so I battled that, and then eventually it was just like, we can't get this truck out. 
It's not happening. Just not. Disconnected the truck. Disconnected the uh, RV. The weight got off of the truck and it pulled right out. No problem. <laughs> Just okay? had to disconnect And now it. I'm stuck there. <laughs> I was like, great. Now I need to Google for the next hour and a half, two hours, how to freaking winterize my RV properly. Okay? <laughs> After all of that. Now it starts snowing. Okay. Oh my goodness. So now I'm having to winterize my RV in snow. Okay. It's dumping snow. I'm outside. My fingers are freezing. Okay. I'm like going back and forth like five times in this process to, to uh, uh, my um, hardware store. Okay, because I need like you know, did you yeah, did you get did you get cleaned Ugh. up or are you just heading into you're like screw it I don't care anymore and you just go into the hardware store covered in mud and whatever it is that drenched on you no I cleaned up I took all that <laughs> stuff off <laughs> I'm like guys here again new he layer I'm done with that part of it now I'm Jeff on to you the smell next. like poop <laughs> <laughs> so anyways that was just nuts man so now I know how to winterize my RV wow but uh, that's amazing dude you was, survived sort yeah I did survive dude you you pursued you went forward okay so i have a similar kind of similar story um i grew up in a house that was a hundred years old and the thing about that is that some people think a house that's a hundred years old oh it's just like victorian it's, it's super nice right like it's old it's old school they did things a little bit different so it's got like unique aspects to it maybe some texture you know it's just, just stuff they did differently different different types of wood you know and different you know, infrastructure and, and you get a good carpenter in there and they're doing unique stuff. No, 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 no. That's not what this was. This was a house that wasn't a house at one point. It was an apartment. It was an apartment that the owners of the property decided to add to. So what ends up happening when you don't have a house entirely blueprinted out from the beginning is that you end up with kind of a, a Frankenstein house. You have rooms that aren't entirely right you have levels of floors that aren't entirely right you have doors in some areas where you're like why is there a door right there oh it's because that was the front door one time but now that's the back door because we've changed the way the house works so anyways one of the things about this was that you know and i grew up in like a two-story house like they added a whole top floor they added sides they added a utility room over the course of 100 years right so when my parents bought it when i was like 13 they wanted to take on the undertaking of just redoing the home, remodeling the whole damn thing. They thought, it's their dream house. They're going to take on this big project, right? And, I, and honestly, to this day, I still think that they probably would have made the decision because there was a lot of good times in remodeling the home. But I've heard my dad say that he probably, you know, they wouldn't make the same decision because of how much work it was. But I digress because the story is about the time where we had a carpenter come to the home to redo the kitchen floor. They wanted to make what was tile hardwood. And they were excited. I remember my parents were like, we're going to finally do it. My mom got a raise. It was like, it was a thing, right? We replaced all the hardwood downstairs. So we get Lance. Shout out Lance. This dude like just freaking repaired our home for like 10 years. He had one of these like metal rods that you rip tile. It has a lip on the end mm -hmm. and you shove that under the tile. It just rips the tile right off, right? So he's like, oh, wow, we can do this here. We can do this here. He's walking around the kitchen, hitting the, hitting the floor. Yeah, we can blah, blah, blah. We'll lift this up. My parents are getting excited. Yeah, we're going to get new cabinets and stuff. And then he's like, all right, let's check out the utility room, which is the connecting room. He walks into the utility room and he's like, okay, yeah, we just have to move this out of here. And he's hitting the floor with that metal rod. And then all of a sudden, tink, through the floor, straight through the floor. Uh-oh. Uh he lifts it up. The thing goes through the floor. Like, there's foundation under there. So, and this is a big, long rod. Like, it's tall. It's really tall. It's like five feet long or something. It goes really far down. He lifts it up. And then you can just like see there's something on there, some mud or something. And then all of a sudden, it's like he unleashed something. You smell this weird, weird. It just, it, it's not like, it, it, it smells like sewage, but it's not. It's, it's different than that. And it, it, it's equally bad, but it's not sewage. It's something else. Turns out, unbeknownst to my parents, the dishwasher, there was a pipe that fractured in all of the food in dishwasher fluids after like food gets under the sink and everything, you know, like it's in the sink and it gets sent out. There was a crack and it was dumping. It was just dumping under the house. And what's going on with this house is that the foundation, it's like a really, really tight crawl space. They didn't make a whole lot of room because again, this wasn't intended to be a giant house, right? So it's like a moat. It's literally a moat under the home 
of that's like four feet or so tall in a square area of just muck is what my dad called it. So they had to redo the entire floor and the entire walls of the home. And for about six months, we had our kitchen blocked off with plastic and I had to go take showers in the guest house next door. We had like this like separate home that had a, had a bathroom. It's like a smaller apartment for like a, a like a mother-in-law or something like that. Um, and I would like in the morning at six o'clock in December would be waking up to go to school, you know, 13, 14, 15 years old. No, I was like, I was a 13, 13, 14 years old. You know, I would go to school, I have to go outside with my robe, go into the guest house where there's no heat and take a, you know, take a warm shower. Cause there was a hot, there was a heater there. But dude, it's like you get out of that shower, you're in, you're in, it's death. And dude, that woke me up really quick every day. And I also remember multiple days where my dad wore these like overalls because they were waterproof with like these booties. And literally him being outside having to like basically strip down to his underwear because like the gunk that was just like caked on him. It was the worst thing. And he had to dig it out with buckets. We had to like literally, and I, I was one of the only people who could fit under the damn house. So I had to help him with that stuff. That was my childhood. That and comic books. <laughs> that is like a horror comic right there. It's terrible. This is terrible, dude. Terrible. The freaking walls to my bathroom. They had, I literally, they had to break, they had to break them and like get rid of them and do new walls. The whole area. They're like, we're going to get freaking tile replaced. Hardwood floors coming. Nope. You get to just replace like the half of your house. Just like the walls and the floors. Good luck. Jesus, man. It was crazy, man. Oh, Good God. times. Comic fam, thanks for listening to us. We hope you enjoyed that. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you next weekend. Or oh. weekday. Weekday. We put this out on the weekday. I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, but we'll see you when we see you. Hey, it's like 2 o'clock in the morning right now, just so you know. We love you. Ciao.